If you're a Christian, you are in the full-time ministry. Pastor Ed Taylor encourages us to see our work that way. The millisecond you were born again, you were in the full-time ministry. It doesn't matter who pays your salary, where you're working right now, how your money gets direct deposited so you can feed your family and pay the rent and take care of the bills. It doesn't matter whether you're driving a truck or you're working at Costco or, or you are at home taking care of the kids. You are, I am in the full-time ministry. All of us everywhere. That means that where you work has been sanctified by God and that many of the people that you work with may never walk through the doors of a church. And so what does God do? He takes the church to them. That's why you work where you work. This is amazing grace. This is unfailing love. That you would take my place. That you would bear my cross. You laid down your life. That I would be set While every Christian is to be involved in the ministry, there are some within the church that are called to places of leadership, to shepherd and teach the flock, equipping them for the work of ministry. Today on Abounding Grace, we'll give attention to this as well as have a look at the manifestations of the Spirit. Pastor Ed Taylor is in the midst of a series on the Holy Spirit, and he takes us now to 1 Corinthians chapter 12 to gain a greater understanding of spiritual gifts. We move from the motivational gifts to the ministries, the places where God sees these gifts. These are specific places of leadership that God has given in his church, and they're very important. In, in your church family, whether here at Calvary or you're listening in somewhere else, you want someone in the pulpit that's a pastor teacher. That's what you want. You want both. You want the pastor teacher gift. Because you want somebody to give you the word of God, but you also want what Jesus did, and that is someone to shepherd you and to be surrounded, you want to be surrounded with the leadership here that have pastor's hearts. It's one of the questions I ask anyone that will be coming on staff is, do you have a pastor's heart? What do, you, what do you think a pastor's heart is, and do you think you have that? Because if you don't, you're not going to take good care of his sheep. You're not going to answer the phone with a sensitive heart to the Holy Spirit. You're not going to walk around the property, even coming in from your car to the door, being sensitive to your surroundings of how God might want to use you. It's very important that these operate in the church. The foundation of the church, of course, upon the apostles. They set the tone. And then we find evangelists and prophets, those that speak forth the word of God, as we'll see in later studies, pastors and teachers. It's a unified gift, pastor-teacher. And these are the places. Now, go back to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. You know, one of the things about these places in these positions in the church is there, there is this misconception in the church as you're turning over to 1 Corinthians 12. There's this misconception in the church that, and it's not in our church. Thank God, thank, we, we thank God for that. We're so grateful. It's not really in our church, but, but I have a lot of friends and, and, and I've seen it in many different places where the attitude is, well, you know what? That's what we pay the pastor to do. He's supposed to do all the work. The pastor does all the work. And in some degree, the pastor, if there's a pastor that's on staff that is taking of the tithes and offerings, we have responsibilities to be faithful to that. But the Bible doesn't teach that everything depends upon the pastor. Or like for us, there, there's 10 of us 
that serve in this church. Ten pastors and even more men that we're training up to be in places of leadership. There's elders here in the church that, that are serving you, but it's not their responsibility to do everything. You know what our responsibility is? To equip the saints for the work of the ministry. That's why we're here. That we are all to serve the Lord. It's not just some boy that I know that's for you. You know, you, you walk in, you, you know, you're walking in, you see a big piece of trash and you just kind of kick it over. I wish somebody, who's going to pick up the trash? Let me answer that question for you. You. Oh, wrong way. You. How's that? Me. I'm supposed to pick up the trash. I don't look around. Who's supposed to pick up the trash? The Lord's saying from heaven, hey, man, you're equipped for the ministry. You have hands. You know, don't wait for a piece of gum to be on your shoe and then you pick it up and you go, oh, I think I'll pick it up. You know, don't do that. Take care of things. You know, who's supposed to pray for these people? You're a believer. Pray for them. The word of God. That's why we place a big emphasis here, very large emphasis here on the systematic expository teaching of God's word. Verse by verse, chapter by chapter, book by book. We start at the beginning, we end at the end, and we keep moving through so that one day, prayerfully, the Lord will allow me to say, I've not shunned to give you the whole counsel of God. Why? To equip you as the saints, to equip us. That's my pastor, Jeff, and many other pastors in my life have equipped me and continue to equip me, a saint, for the work of the ministry. It's not just me. It's not just us. On occasion, there'll be somebody that comes up after a service and they'll want to express to me their desire and they'll say something like this. You know, Pastor Ed, I think God's calling me into the full-time ministry. And, and that's an encouraging thing when you start to sense the call uh, to devote your entire life to the Lord. That's a wonderful thing. However, what they really usually are meaning is that what they're desiring is, is they want to work full-time for the church. And that's how they interpret full-time ministry. I want to work full-time for the church. And that's where I take the opportunity to, to help educate them in the scriptures that full-time ministry applies to all of us. Every single person that's been born. You know, the millisecond you were born again, you were in the full-time ministry. It doesn't matter who pays your salary, where you're working right now, how your money gets direct deposited so you can feed your family and pay the rent and take care of the bills. It doesn't matter whether you're driving a truck or you're working at Costco or, or you are at home taking care of the kids. You are, I am in the full-time ministry. All of us everywhere. That means that where you work has been sanctified by God and that many of the people that you work with may never walk through the doors of a church. And so what does God do? He takes the church to them. That's why you work where you work. Amen. That apartment building that you're in, you're giving invitations all the time to events and giving CDs and links, and, and you never find, you know, it's been years and they're not here. But every single time you go home, the church goes into your apartment building. The church goes into your neighborhood. You're in the full-time ministry. That this is what God has you to do. You are in the full-time ministry, whether you're here, there, or anywhere. You're in the full-time ministry. Yes, there is a group of people. There are a group of people, even in our congregation, that is, continues to grow as the needs of the ministry grow, that take of the tithes and offerings or the tuition of the school here, they take that, they receive that as they serve full-time in the responsibilities in this building and what relates to the church here. But it doesn't make them any different than you. I'm not any different than you. My heart is to serve the Lord. I'm going to serve the Lord. You know, when I was in California, 
Uh, when I was a new believer, I worked. Uh, I, had, I worked in an ambulance company, and then I started moving. I moved into the corporate world, and for eight years, I served at Calvary Chapel in Downey, and I worked full-time and raised a family full-time and all the other things that we tried to fit into our life, our friendships and family and all. I mean, I worked full-time, and I enjoyed it. It was wonderful. It was great. I had a large staff that I oversaw, and I just saw them as my own flock. I treated them just like I would treat anyone else. If they had a need in their life, I'd pray for them. You know, if they needed extra time to, to, to off, I'd do my best to give them time off so they could go do what they needed to do. I treated them and gave all the glory to God so that I might plant those seeds. And then I moved here. When I moved here to plant a church, I took a transfer with my company. I'm a corporate headquarters. We're just up the street here in Aurora, and I got my new office here, my new responsibilities, and, and I fully expected to work for many, many years while we were planning a church. Uh, I wanted to work many years, put a little money away and take care of some things that way, but the church grew so rapidly that I had to leave my full-time job and take a small salary from the church so I could devote myself with all the responsibilities I had to take care of. But you know, when I was working, when, whatever I was doing, the Lord put it in my heart very quick. I'm in full-time ministry. There is no, you arrive in full-time ministry, the next breath after you're born again, you're in the ministry. God wants you to serve him wherever you are and whatever you do. It doesn't matter who signs your paycheck or where it comes from. What matters is your heart to serve the Lord. I've even found the opposite, unfortunately. I found the opposite on occasion here over the years where somebody that was serving and, and, and working and serving, where they come on staff to a church, they take a position on staff, and somehow they lost their edge. Something happened to them. I don't know what, it's a heart issue, but they weren't serving as much, and they become, you know, this attitude of being entitled, and instead of just keeping the main thing, the main thing, Jesus Christ, him crucified, buried, risen again, and we owe our entire lives to him to serve our hearts out toward him no matter where we're at. Don't ever lose that. No matter what you're doing or where you're at, don't lose that heart. To, don't forget the blood of Jesus Christ cleanses you from all sins. And with that blood, you were bought with a price. We belong to him. Finally, in 1 Corinthians 12, as we wind down, we have the manifestations of the Spirit. We have the motivational gifts. Every believer has one or maybe more. Then we have a few offices or places, ministries within the church. It's not all, but some are mentioned in Ephesians for the specific purpose of edifying the saints for the work of the ministry. So we all are in the ministry together. And then finally, we have the manifestations of the Spirit here in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Paul calls Romans the diversities of gifts. Paul calls Ephesians differences of ministries. And now he calls the manifest, um, the, these, these particular, the, these works of the Spirit in our lives, he calls them both diversities and manifestation. The word manifestation means appearance. And so these are not something that you have and you can use at will. For example, in verse 7 it says, The manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one for the profit of all. For to one is given the word of wisdom through the Spirit, to another the word of knowledge through the same Spirit. Now, there is nobody on the earth today speaking with absolute wisdom. So you can't, you can't have somebody come up to you that's saying something completely unbiblical and they'll come back to you and say, well, I have the word of wisdom. Well, it doesn't sound like the word of wisdom to me, bro, because it's contradictory to the scriptures. Yeah, but I've been given it, and any time I talk, I talk in wisdom. No, 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 no. 
The word of wisdom will always match the word of God because it's from God. Same with the word of knowledge. But the word of wisdom is an amazing thing. See, what happens with the manifestations is they are then given to us to enhance our spiritual gift. So a lot of times people with the gift of exhortation or the gift of, of teaching, back in Romans, the Lord gives them a word of wisdom. That's why if you're here through three services, the messages are different for every service because the Lord is giving forth the word of wisdom even while I'm teaching. That's why it's hitting you personally. But over here, they're waiting for something. They haven't got it yet, but you got it over here. And then you got it. And then you go, well, stop it. And before you know it, you guys are all fighting the Lord because he's speaking to your heart. Word of wisdom, word of knowledge, like just a word. And some of you have operated in the word of knowledge. You might be an exhorter. And so God has you in somebody's life. And have you ever had that situation where you're talking to someone and you didn't even know where you got what you just said? And you're like, where did that come from? The Lord's working in your life. He gave it to you to give to them. You ever inspired up in the middle of the night and God gives you a verse for somebody? Where do you think that came from? The Lord woke you up out of a deep sleep to bless somebody in his name. What a privilege. So get up and do it. Don't turn over and go, and then when you wake up in the morning, what was that scripture? And the Lord said, you should have gave it to him when I woke you up at one o'clock in the morning. The Lord moves in many, many, many ways in our lives. See, what happens is too often God does something in our life and we take the credit for it. Well, you know, I had that scripture because I studied the Bible for my friend for five hours. So it makes sense that I would wake up in the middle of the night to give you this beautiful scripture out of five hours. You've got to know it was five hours. And it's just a little, you know, little... The Lord gave it to you. Good. I'm glad you're in the Word for five hours, but the Lord still inspired that Scripture to give to your friend at the right time. Maybe your friend was up at 1 o'clock in the morning just staring at their computer, and you had your chance. And the Lord gave it to him another way, but you could have. You could have been a part of it, just learning quick obedience. You look at some of these other ones. Again, these studies are up on the web. We're not going to get in depth to these. Uh, we went through 1 Corinthians, so they're all up on the web or the app. Uh, you can get them and download them and listen to them. But you, you, you think of another one, it says, uh, verse 9, of faith by the same spirit, gifts of healings. Like there's no one going around right now that has the gift of healing that can heal at any time. But God can come upon a person and through that person with the gift of healings, you see it's in plural, use that person to bring healing. God does bring healing today. He is not done healing the physical body miraculously. Yes, he can use doctors. Praise God for that. And yes, he can use medication. But it doesn't matter what tool is used. God alone is Jehovah Rapha, the God who heals. He alone heals. He might use a lot of different ways, but he still is the only healer. And he can use us, but he's still healing. You can't, you can't lay hands on someone who says, I have healed you. No, you haven't. That's why guys that come and rent out the Pepsi Center, forget about it, man. Don't go there. Don't go there. Take the money that you probably would have given to them and give it to someone in need. Give it to someone that's hurting. Give it to someone that needs your love. Don't give it to some guy who says, I can heal you. That's a different Bible study altogether. Verse 10. To another, the working of miracles. To another, prophecy. To the another, discerning of spirits. To another, different kinds of tongues. To another, interpretation in tongues. But one and the same spirit works all these things, distributing to each one individually as he wills. So the Holy Spirit comes. 
The Holy Spirit moves. The Holy Spirit comes. The Holy Spirit moves. Now, some of them, I can see how they stick around a lot longer. Um, you know, gift of tongues, interpretation of tongues. That's something that the Lord can give. But even then, when you have that gift, you're not always inspired to exercise it. You're not always inspired. The Holy Spirit doesn't say, it says, this isn't the time. And that's where, you know, a lot of people are arguing about the gifts today. Um, and, and we really shouldn't argue about them. The, the Lord has given them to us. We should be open to them. We should be dependent upon them. We should find ourselves in a place of, Lord, whatever you have for me, I need that. I want that in my life. I need that for my home. Because here's the thing. Here's the thing. I'm not naive enough, church. I'm not naive enough to, to think today that there aren't carnal people listening to me right now. Your wife knows you're carnal. Your husband knows you're carnal. Your neighbors know you're carnal. You know you're carnal. Fleshly, human, living like an unbeliever, but in and out of church all the time. And, and you're wanting the appearance. You, you want the appearance of godliness, but you deny the power thereof. That's what the Bible says. You want the appearance. You want to look a certain way, but you live a completely different way as unto the Lord. You don't live for the Lord. You just say you do. And the Bible is very clear. He doesn't want you to be a fleshly person. He wants you to be a spiritual man and a spiritual woman. That's the solution to your marriage problem right now. One of you needs to walk in the Spirit, if not both of you. You need to walk in the Spirit, relying on... That's the issue with, the, with your kids right now. Walking in the Spirit. That, that's the issue at work. Why are you always going from job to job to job to job? Could it be that you're carnal? Could it be just, I don't know if it is. I'm not saying it is for every situation. Don't misunderstand me. But would you just ask the Lord, could it be? Maybe he'll reveal something to you like the psalmist says, search me and know me and reveal in me if there's any unclean thing and then show me, point me in the way of everlasting life. That's what I want in my life. And there's just too many in the church today living in the flesh. You're fleshly, you're carnal, and that's not God's heart for you. You're not living up to what God has given you. You're not operating in your spiritual gift. You're not open to the manifestation of the Spirit, and you're not yielding to the offices that the Lord has given you in the church, in your church, your body, and we are suffering as a result. Now, before we leave, just to plant this before we head out, there's two last things that I want to lay before you because the big line of division when it comes to spiritual gifts is one of two extremes. So I'm going to give you a quick explanation of both extremes and then give you insight of where we want to be or where we want to stay. On one side of the pendulum, on this side, is the view, some people view the spiritual gifts under the category of cessationism. Cessation. C-E-S-S-A-T-I-O-N. I-S-M, cessation. Yes, it does sound like the word cease. And there are those today that believe that the spiritual gifts ceased and then they have different time periods. Some people say they ceased with the apostles. Some people say they ceased with the end of the first century. Some people believe that they ceased when the Bible was completed. You might hear it say when the canon of scripture has come. And they use a, a scripture in verse Corinthians 13 that when that which is perfect has come, that which is imperfect will be done away. And it's not all the spiritual gifts, just the ones that make people uncomfortable like prophecy, tongues, and interpretation of tongues. Cessationism. 
That's the view that, that's the extreme view that some or all of the gifts don't exist today and that we as believers now know more. We know about the scriptures. We don't really need the Holy Spirit like they did in the first century. We don't hold to that view here at Calvary. Then the pendulum swings on the other side. And the other side is something that I personally term hyper-expressionism. Even if it is a word, I'm making it up right now. And the idea behind this is that some churches approach the spiritual gifts by allowing the most weird, goofy, crazy, out-of-control things to happen in the church. And then when somebody questions them about it, they say, well, that's the Holy Spirit. No, it's not the Holy Spirit. So there's barking and yelling and gold dust and, and people rolling down the aisles. You know that's where we got the term holy roller? Have you heard that term holy roller? Somebody called me a holy roller once. I didn't even know what it meant. I looked it up. It was people in the church rolling down the aisles. Why are you rolling down the aisles? Oh, it's a faster means of transportation. No, no. Why are you rolling down the aisles? Because the Holy Spirit made me roll. No, no. Don't roll down the aisles. And it's just this idea of just craziness, you know. Pastors will say, everybody get up and speak in tongues to one another. That is not biblical. The Bible is super clear that the prophet of the spirit is subject to, or the spirit of the prophet is subject to the prophet. They are very clear for the operation of, of a gift like tongues within a body like this, within a large gathering that unbelievers are present. Really, when unbelievers are present, you just should, that's your personal prayer language, just you speaking tongues between you and the Lord. Not everybody has the gift, but you just, between you and the Lord. But that's why we have gatherings on Sunday nights, the first Sunday of the month, that we call response or afterglow or believers meetings, where there's an openness for those gifts to be expressed. And it's a beautiful thing. And the, there's very strict ways that the Bible says. And, and so we don't, we, we, don't, we don't hold to the view that the gift ceased. And we also don't hold to the view that anything goes, man, just blame it on the Holy Spirit. We attempt to, to we strive and attempt to strike a biblical balance. Now, we may move from time to time and God is leading us and helping us to understand where and how he wants to operate among us. But we want to find a balance. We know the gifts exist, but we also know they're not to be abused. And we don't want Jesus writing us a letter like he did through Paul to, first current, to the church in Corinth going, what are you guys doing? You bunch of carnal. You know, I don't want that letter. I don't want to find that letter uh, from the Lord. And keep this in mind as we move forward in our studies just finding the biblical balance. Listen, if you're not walking in the Spirit, you're doing great damage to yourself and the people that love you. You're harming the church, not only our church, but the church at large. You're damaging the testimony that you bear as you name the name of Jesus Christ in your life. I'm not talking about the stumbles and falls that we all have. The fact that we're not perfect and the reality if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just, of course. But I am talking about the wholesale hypocrisy that comes when you live a life, you claim to be a Christian, but you live like the world, in the world, for the world. Listen, that's not from the Lord.
Thank you for joining us today as we study through the Gospel of John and learn of God's abounding grace. This is Abounding Grace with Pastor Ed Taylor. Are you interested in hearing this again? It's easy to do when you visit AboundingGraceRadio.com or through our church app. Do a search for Ed Taylor in the App Store or Google Play to download that to your mobile device. All this month, we're featuring an excellent book by Scott Sauls titled, Beautiful People Don't Just Happen. We all have regrets, hurts, and fears, and they can weigh us down, even make us feel like there's no way out. In Beautiful People Just Don't Happen, you'll learn how God redeems regret, hurt, and fear in the making of better humans. And we'll send it your way for a gift of $25 or more to Abounding Grace today. Call toll-free 877-30-GRACE. Again, we're at 877-30-GRACE. Or order it online at calvaryco.store. And thank you for your support, as it allows us to bring the teaching of God's Word to stations like this every day. We're constantly hearing from folks all over the world that are being blessed, and your gifts help to make that possible. You can donate through our website at AboundingGraceRadio.com. Here's a question. How has Abounding Grace blessed you? We want to hear. And it's easy to share your thoughts and prayer requests at AboundingGraceRadio.com. Scroll down to the bottom of our homepage and connect with us. We'll return to the Gospel of John next time out on Abounding Grace with Pastor Ed Taylor. We'll see you then. This is amazing grace. Abounding Grace is brought to you by Calvary Church, Colorado, here in Aurora.